10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. We welcome you in to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Week two of conference play for the A-State basketball teams. So really getting in the swing of things now. A lot to talk about as we go along today. And we'll start with the A-State men who made the old Louisiana road swing this past week. And they opened at Louisiana Lafayette on Thursday, a matchup that I was looking forward to. This is a Cajun team that won their first two conference games on the road. They were shorthanded in wins against Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. So you could make a case this was the toughest conference game on the schedule. And history tells you that's always going to be a, a tough place to go play too. You know, in all the years I was on the road doing basketball games, I don't think I ever did Lafayette and Monroe on the same trip. Really? I don't think I've ever made the trip from Lafayette to Monroe that I can remember. You know what? It it really hasn't happened that often for me. I think this is only the second or third time I've done it that way, and I don't know why that's the case because usually when you go on the road – you have the travel partners, and when you play South Alabama on a trip, you also play Troy. When but, you play Georgia State, you also play Georgia Southern. But for whatever reason, it hasn't always been that way for the Louisiana teams. Yeah, and I don't know why. I, I don't know either. But I'm just I I just don't know that I've ever done both on the same trip or made or made the drive from one to the other that I can remember. Well, I did it. Yeah, and it happened this past week, and. A loss on Thursday night, but in some ways it was encouraging. Yeah. When you kind of spin this in a positive way, and you and I talked about this the other day on your show. (laughs) Hang on. Let's give everybody a positivity warning. Yeah, I mean, we can go negative later if we want. No, I just want to make sure if they need to step away, things might get positive for a second. (laughs) You know, the Red Wolves shoot 35% for the game on the road against a really, really good team. And most of the time that's going to add up to about a 20-point loss. But in this case, the Red Wolves were able to go to overtime. And look, Desi Sills, Marquise Eaton, and Caleb Fields combined to go 6-for-36 from the field in this game. And that's something that's just not going to happen very often. And if it does, then that is the recipe to getting blown out, especially where you are, especially at the Cajun Dome. You tell Mike Bellato going into that, hey, you're heading down to Lafayette and your three starting guards are going six for 36. I mean, quite honestly, that's an ass whipping coming. And the reason they're able to stay in the game is because A-State, despite having a size disadvantage in that game, the Cajuns definitely were the bigger team, out-rebounded the Cajuns on the night, 41-40, to had 15 offensive rebounds, only turned it over nine times. Six of those were in the first half, so the final 25 minutes of the game, 
second half in overtime. A-State had just three turnovers, and you know they trailed most of the game, but A-State's down three with 10 seconds left, and you know, the Red Wolves run it all the way down. Kayla Fields, part of me was wanting to scream at him. I mean, he's five feet away from me. Shoot the ball, Caleb. But he did, and he tied it up with .3 seconds to go. Eaton on the right wing, flip it off to Fields. Caleb with seven seconds, six seconds. Caleb Fields onto the right wing, three seconds, two seconds. Has to put it up. Shot goes, and we're tied at 73 with .3 seconds to play. So, a-State forces overtime, but unfortunately, they fall short 83-77. to 77. Take a little sidebar here because I, I chuckled because I said there was – I should have said the butt whipping coming earlier, and I apologize. But that's – the reason I chuckled because right, that's an old dicky nut line. <laughs> that is a dicky nut line. You're right. I went with this. Uh, one time, I went with them to start the season, the tournament out at Old Dominion. I and remember the story. It's a football overlap. So, uh-huh. so uh, I was with football. You it's were the, with it, basketball. It's the first Arkansas State games for that bunch when Adrian Banks, Adrian Banks and Sean Morgan and that bunch came in. So it was their first game. They're going to Old Dominion, and they're opening up against Clemson. That's their first mm-hmm. opponent. Practice at Old Dominion, who oddly enough played at the time. Their building was called the Convocation Center. They're practicing the night before the season opener and. Coach Nutt, he stops practice and calls everybody in and says, guys, uh, right now, on a scale of one to ten, we're practicing at about a three, and three means there's an ass whipping coming. <laughs> and, by the way, he yeah. was right. Tur- turns out he was right on the money. That's what happened the next night. But uh, anyway, I thought that's where that, I guess that's where that line oh, that, That's a great story. A-State, because of the effort, despite the cold shooting, was able to stay in this game and have a chance to win on the road against a really good team. And another reason they were able to stay in the game is the extraordinary play. And we're going to get very in-depth in this episode uh, about this guy. But Norshad O'Meara had 29 points, 17 boards, and three blocked shots. And this was against some bigs. I mean, the, the guys that... They were playing the other night, or 6'10", 6'11". Norshad's at 6'7", and he's able to control the game down low. On what? Uh, was it 10 of 13 shooting? I think 11 of 14 so, that night. I mean, something ridiculous. Yeah, so the, the positive you and I talked about on my show Friday was being in a game where the, the starting backcourt was six for 36 and the negative bring all the, the those folks back in because the negative is you just rolled in there and got a 29 and 17 with three blocks on that shooting percentage yeah. from the player of the year in the league and didn't get a win which is a a downer but overall like I said there were things to be positive about depending on what happened Saturday yeah you need to to come out and find a way to get a split on this road swing and it wasn't going to be easy you play at ULM you know ULM had won eight consecutive home games dating back to last year they were 6-0 and at home this season they were coming off a win over Little Rock on Thursday and any questions about A-State's energy were answered right out of the gate they began the game on an 11-0 run 
They were up 19-6 to at the first media timeout. I think I text you saying, hey, Keese already has 10. We're just over four minutes in, and the Red Wolves are, are up 13. But to ULM's credit, they come back. They go on a 14 nothing run at one point. They led by nine at the half. Warhawks are up 11 with 11 minutes to go, but the Red Wolves come back and find a way to win on the road 90-83. to And part of it was probably having more in the tank, having more guys. And I know they rolled a little shorthanded Saturday, but but so did ULM. And I think they had had either two or three guys that maybe hadn't come out of the game to that point. And it was kind of – it was Yeah, they, they were missing one key player out of their rotation in Elijah Gonzalez, who, who's a good point guard for them. But the Red Wolves were down two players yeah. from their rotation. Uh, so, Christian Willis w- was out for both of these games, and then Marquise Davis missed the game Saturday too. So I think it was about, about just having – and whether that's conditioning, if it's not just more guys, maybe it's conditioning. But it was just – part of it was – getting yourself in a position and it's like Blake Anderson you say all the time about being in the fourth quarter because this part of this was a state got to the stretch and and had a little more in the tank than ULM had you know and, and the Red Wolves did it in the final five minutes of the game they took over in the final five minutes of the game most of the second half Mike Bellotto went to four guards and we talked about it in the pregame show he said you know with Marquise Davis out just depending on how the game goes I may have to go to four guards that fourth guard was Avery Feltz and look Avery you know here in the last four or five weeks had COVID he was still trying to come back from that and really hadn't played significant minutes until this past Saturday, but he was absolutely huge on both ends of the floor. He had seven points, three boards. Two of those were offensive boards. He did it in just 13 minutes, and he was the one that tied up the ball game late in the second half. Up high to Feltz. Avery, left-handed dribble, into the lane. Scoop it up with the right hand. It goes, and we're tied at 77. Avery Feltz with seven points off the bench. After the game, Coach Bellotto talked about how Avery had to play the four, and Coach Bellotto didn't have to give him any coaching about yeah, that. I heard him say that, that you know, he put him in at the four, you know, power forward type position, and he knew what the four's job was on every play, which is uh, pretty impressive. It's something we've talked about this team from the get-go. We talked about everybody coming back. You talked about adding Desi Seals. And one thing we talked about is the flexibility, the number of options they give Mike Bellotto on how to construct a lineup. Because at some point in time, they're going to need to be really big and they'll have Antoine Jackson and Norshad O'Meara on the floor at the same time. But mm-hmm. when you need to, you've got plenty of guards to put four of them out there with Norshad. And, and that's what the situation called for on Saturday. You mentioned Desi. He made a huge bucket late to put the Red Wolves up five. Give it to Metzlarishavili. His three missed short. Backside board hustled down by Caleb Fields. Another rebound for Caleb. That's his tenth. Sills driving right side. All the way to the hole. Lays it home off the right side. A-State up five. 82-77. And Keith Richard wants a timeout. He finished with 12 points and eight assists. And then Caleb Fields... He was phenomenal. 17 points, a career-high 11 rebounds, and six assists for Caleb. And uh, I was interviewing Norshad after the game, and and he was really impressed with with 
Caleb Fields and his 11 rebounds in particular. Yeah. He has as many rebounds as Norshad. He did. Norshad had 24 and 11. <laughs> Four block shots on top of that. Just a monster game for him. But uh, also want to mention Marquis Seaton. And, you know, he led the way. He had 25 points in this one. He's now over 1,500 career points. Seventh player in school history to do that. And he has now made 38 consecutive free throws which is a new school record. And one of the biggest shocks of the night (laughs) was the fact that he actually hit the rim on one of those free throw tries. That's how how good he's been. One of those big ones down the stretch, too, hit the rim. He he, he knew how to dial up the drama. He was kind of leaning into it. (laughs) He knew that it was just a, a fraction... You know, short of of dead center. So it's amazing. I mean, he's second in the country right now in free throw percentage at 96%. That's crazy. By the way, so you're looking at the trip for Norshad, 26.5 points, 14 rebounds, 3.5 blocks. And as we record this, they haven't announced the Sunbelt Player of the Week. I would think that he's a favorite to win that for the third time this year. Well, honestly, and I nearly threw a poll out late Saturday with this question. I I think Arkansas State should sweep the Sun Belt Players of the Week this week. And that's because of what we saw in the A-State women's game this past Saturday and kind of backpedaling a little bit with them. They had a second straight home game canceled last Thursday when the Cajuns didn't have enough healthy players to make the trip to Jonesboro. So, already they're down two home games in the conference schedule. After a nine-day layoff, they finally get to play against ULM Saturday. And, yeah, Kia Patton made her case for Sunbelt Player of the Week. (laughs) 30 points, all of them coming in the first half. Yeah. Number one, it is a tough break. This is the year, like, you did not want your schedule front-loaded with a lot of home games in January, as it turns out. And sort of where Arkansas State finds itself, because, you know, these are just cancellations. They're not coming back. And so there's already two of them gone right now in terms of home games. You know, the men have lost one. And as we sit here right now, staring right down the barrel of possibly losing another one, we could talk about that more. But back to this game, you know, early on, Arkansas State looked like a team that hadn't played in nine days. ULM came out playing zone, and Arkansas State got some good looks and just with nothing but go in. They're one for 10 from the floor and down by seven points, you know, at one point, you know, midway or so in the first quarter. And then shots started going in, primarily from Kia Patton, and they just kept going in and kept going in. And it just, I mean, she had 20 in the second quarter and two four point plays in that half it, it was remarkable i mean she just got going and man she just made everything she was and, seven of ten from three at one point down on the other on monroe's end the ball was going out of bounds she went diving and saved it inbounds and then came up went to the other end and hit a three i mean it just uh it was remarkable to see a, a 30 point half and of course you're already digging up you know and caleb garner the sid for women's basketball is already hitting us up with all right the arena record is this and pop up and, and <laughs> You know, and she ends up with 30 because, you know, obviously ULM decides to do something different defensively with her maybe in the second half. And she just didn't even have to take many shots. And then so she comes out. And so then Maylon Wilkerson, one of the freshmen, 
Hits four threes in the second half. They end up hitting 16 as a team. Yeah, school record, 16 threes for the A-State women in what turned into a 98-70 to victory. Another good game for Trinity Jackson, too. She had a double-double, 16-10. and 10. Before that game with the Cajuns was canceled last week, the basketball coaches have been doing a weekly Zoom, and on her Zoom, Destiny Rogers was asked sort of who needed to step up, and she gave a pretty open and honest answer to that question, and the two names she named were Kia Patton and Trinity Jackson. Welch. <laughs> I'd like to know who she's calling out this week. <laughs> Heck, if I'm a player, I want to be the one she's calling out this week after that. And with and with Trinity, and it was an interesting point because she had said they're having to work with Trinity Jackson about kind of the way she reacts to how a game might be officiated, one way or the other. And I actually had this conversation with, with Brian Boyer, who you know, you know recruited Trinity to Arkansas State. Earlier in the season, he and I were sitting talking and talking about the way she was playing. And he said, look, and this was pretty early in the year where she'd had a couple of big games. And he said, this kid is an official's nightmare because you can call something every time she catches it. You can, you can either see either she's getting fouled or she's, or you can call a charge basically every time she touches it. And at that point she says she could lead the country in free throw attempts. Well, she leads the Sun Belt in free throw attempts. Yeah. But Coach Rogers was talking about they're having to work with her on how she reacts to if she picks up an offensive foul or if eventually they let players hang on her and she doesn't get a call because she is so stinking strong that there's going to be a lot of contact every time she touches it, one way or the other. Trinity Jackson, Kia Patton, both helping to lead A-State to that uh, victory in women's play. They're now 8-7 and seven overall, 1-1 one and one in Sunbelt Conference play. When we come back, we're going to get more in-depth on the outstanding play of Norshad O'Meara. Stay tuned. That's coming up next on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. So the question now is just how good is Norshad O'Meara? And look, he was the Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year last year. He was preseason Sunbelt Player of the Year this season, and he's certainly living up to that hype. But I don't know if we expected this. Mm -mm. And technically, I guess he's still a freshman. He's a second-year freshman. (laughs) And he has 10 double-doubles this season in the first 15 games. 25 career in 38 games now. Yeah. Leading the conference fourth in the nation in double-doubles. So if he can pick up a double-double, let's just say next game, whatever that ends up being, hopefully Thursday against Little Rock. If he has a double-double, then he'd be sitting exactly at getting one two-thirds of the games of his career. Yeah. He'd be 26 out of 39 if he can get one next time out we talked about it i think on here before i mean you heard the video game numbers at prep school 
and even Mike Blotto was like, all right, but who's that against? And we talk about going to see him against IMG. But still, you still got to come to this level and do it. My gosh. He's doing it. It's unbelievable. And I can't imagine that there are Arkansas State fans who haven't gotten out to see this kid play in person yet because they just don't come around like this very often. I mean, honestly, a generational type player here right now we're getting to see. First in the Sun Belt, fourth in the nation in field goal percentage at 68%. First in the conference, eighth nationally in rebounds, 10.9 per game. And he's already got 35 block shots this season, which is top 25 in the country. His game just continues to develop. And he's still so young. We mentioned the field goal percentage, but... It's not just the dunks. It's not just those easy baskets around the goal. He hit a shot in the final 25 seconds the other night against Lafayette. And it's on the baseline. We're down four at the time. He hits about a 15-foot fadeaway. Didn't hesitate. And that's something he's worked really hard on. I mean, it's just his game continuing to develop right in front of our eyes. It cut it to two. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Caleb's able to hit the three to send it into overtime a few seconds later. But that's just one example of how he continues to develop his game. Yeah, range was something he wanted to work on. A bit of step out on the floor. And I think that's both for the college level and beyond. If he's going to keep playing, which he certainly can do, he's going to be able to step out and hit shots a little further out. And then, too, I don't think you know he's probably having to recondition himself a little bit to what's a foul in the college game after going and playing international basketball during the summer because you're playing against grown men and it's called that way. Maybe that played a role into him finding himself in foul trouble more than we were used to seeing. I know he played a ton. What, he played 39 minutes the other day? That's a sight for sore eyes. It was good to see because that was the biggest frustration, especially early in the season, him getting into the early foul trouble. You know, we saw it a little bit last year, but it's part of that growth process. And instead of kind of reaching over when he's going for a block shot, keeping his hand straight up, that's something that he's been better at. But you see him gain confidence every time he's out on the floor. And he's averaging almost 17 a game on the season, 17 points a game. That's third in the conference in scoring. But through three conference games, Norshad is averaging nearly 24 points, 13 rebounds, and three block shots. Yes, he was very good in non-conference play, but he's taken his game up to a much higher level so far in league play. The country's active leader in career rebounds per game as far as anybody playing right now nobody's averaging more he's still at 11 half rebounds for the year and a half he's played college basketball you start looking at where he could land on you know the a-state career charts it were john belcher's number one 1166 rebounds john dixon's number two 1139 you know they averaged 12.4 and 11.9 boards a game for their careers He's right there with them. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think what I'm about to say is going to happen? I wouldn't tell you I think it's going to happen, but at least you got to say the possibility exists. This kid could play five years here, rebounding at that kind of clip. So there's no telling what these numbers could end up looking like. He has a chance to do some really, really special things, and he's already doing that. Well, what's he at? Six? Actually, now I think seven after uh, Thursday night. Seven of those career double-doubles are at least 15 and 15. 
Mm. It's really fun to watch and a big reason why this team is in good shape right now. The men at 11-4 and four overall, they're 2-1 and one in Sunbelt Conference play. We're going to take a timeout. Be back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up for this edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Late Sunday night, some surprising news got out as far as the A-State football team. Place kicker Blake Groupie going into the transfer portal with one year of eligibility remaining. He leaves A-State as the school's all-time leading scorer. I did not know this until you sent me that screenshot you, you text me the the tweet me you and philip yeah, have a little group text. we do and you sent that out and that's first i knew of it i mean obviously it's a big surprise because you know i've i've talked with blake groupie blake groupie's been on my show since the season ended I talked about next year because and even academically what he what to do because you know he's already finished or was finishing maybe in december his mba so you know what academically what you want to do to cover you know for this last year of college football never any indication that there was any sort of question about that so what that's about i don't know but you and i could tell people very honestly that that was a surprise to us as much Mm -hmm. as it was to them we look at the week ahead and we hope that the a-state men's basketball team will get a couple of games in it's rivalry week the way the Sun Belt has set this up this season you play your rival twice in the same week the schedule has a state hosting little rock thursday night at 7 30 the back end of a women's men's doubleheader and then the red wolves returning the trip saturday at four when they go to the stevens center now this is in doubt as we record mm-hmm. this episode because little rock just hours before they were scheduled to tip this past saturday in lafayette didn't have enough players to go. You know, had several players and a coach that were under COVID protocols. So who knows if they'll be ready to go on Thursday night. Yeah, and this is just somewhat to deal with. And folks who listen to this podcast, number one, we appreciate you. But number two, there's going to be a chance, just like last week with the women, that we may sit down here and talk about the week ahead. And by the time you hear the podcast, the week ahead has changed. The Lafayette one or the, the the Cajun postponement on the women was we didn't kind of know what was coming last week. This one, I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm surprised pleasantly if Arkansas State's playing Little Rock in Jonesboro Thursday night. A State wants to play these games oh and keep the momentum rolling. I mean, they're playing some good basketball right now, and but, uh, and you want to be able to to play all your home games. In particular, you've already lost one home game with the Georgia State cancellation. The men could be in the same boat as the women down two home games if this gets scratched on Not Thursday. only that, but you're running the risk of losing your last conference home game against Little Rock and not getting to play them for the last time as yeah. a conference member at home. 
But the, the, I was told, and I don't know, somebody had sent me that that they have 15 players on their roster. They've already got some injuries. They were traveling 10 on the weekend, and perhaps up to six of those 10 are in protocol. You want to be able to play that game. You're right. It's the most played rivalry in A-State history. I think they've met 93 times. Second most played is the one with the Raging Cajuns, and I think they've played 88 times now. But so much history, so many great memories between A-State and Little Rock, and, and many of them happening in Jonesboro, and, and you'd like to be able to see them play one more time as conference opponents. Again, Thursday in Jonesboro, hopefully tip-off at 7.30 and then Saturday at 4 in Little Rock. As for the women, they do have two home games this week. Thursday at 5, hosting Appalachian State, and then Saturday at 1, Coastal Carolina will be in town. Yeah, again, you know, this is the back end for the women. They had a stretch on paper where they were going to play five in a row at home. Best they can get to is three, and I know they badly want to get to three to not to play these two home games coming up this week hopefully uh everything goes as scheduled like i said i'd be surprised if we get that double header thursday but i'd love to and by the way should something happen and i hope it doesn't but should something happen and that men's game doesn't get to get played i already cast my vote to keep the women's game at five <laughs> you're okay with that i am absolutely okay with that anything you need to <laughs> sound off Man, on before we get out of here there's a doozy uh all right, let's I hear it. Too, but I, I don't – let me – so I'm not going full bore. Come on, don't hold back. But I, I just will say this. If you identify yourself as a fan of any team – and I don't, I, people don't like being told if you do X, Y, or Z, you're not really a fan, and I get it. But kind of step number one, to me, if you're – and I don't care, I'm talking pro, college, high school, elementary, I don't care. Step – the kind of the first prerequisite of being a fan of somebody – is wanting that somebody to win. That seems like that's like the first step in the process, right? Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. So if you're a fan of a team, all I'm saying is want that team to win no matter what. That's it. That's all I got. Are there people in your life that are cheering against their own team? I, I think that happens all over the place. I think they're I think at all levels because I, I think yeah, I, I do think there are people that some degree cheer against their team or their team winning doesn't fit what they'd like to see happen in the long run you see this i guess with professional teams tanking a lot and wanting their team to tank that's mm-hmm. how a lot of fans feel that's yeah, is, the is pros, that's right. kind of what you're you're getting at or for maybe a coach to get fired ah, well that, is that where we're going i would think yeah e- e- either either scenario you're right you see it in one of those scenarios okay times. If your thing is you're a fan of some, I mean, like if Arkansas State's playing tiddlywinks, I want Arkansas State to win because there's people there that got Arkansas State on their shirt. And that's all I got to know. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't liked every move that's ever been made at Arkansas State. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the people that made those moves knew it. But once it's made, then let's roll. If Arkansas State hires a coach I just flat out don't like, then I hope that coach wins so much that. You can't keep them. <laughs> You're always going to cheer for your team. No matter what. And that's the way it should be. I agree. We appreciate everybody listening in. As always, for Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.